Pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Hey guys, we were joined again with Uncle Alex the Hebrew Hammer Salkin this week. And we are talking about all things coffee, Yoda, Hanukkah, and crawling. So guys, this is a fun conversation about crawling and how you can build strength. And if you just want to get to that, go ahead and fast forward to 8 minutes and 30 seconds in. However, if you want to hear about coffee, Yoda, and Hanukkah, listen to the whole thing. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Last, I have returned. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I've, uh, I've almost, I totally flipped the script. I uh, have, I don't know, I've, I started drinking tea because I decided to, I think I've quit drinking coffee. And when I say I think I've quit, I just haven't in two or three months. <laughs> wow. I, I, when I, I, I want to be slave to no, nothing. <laughs> I, I don't so, know. Tea is definitely a step down from coffee in terms of like, you know, chemical slavery. So, uh, well, so it is a step, right? So, I mean, if I was drinking four to six cups of coffee a day, the caffeine level that I was, I was probably pushing 500 milligrams, but there's like only 30 in this. So right. it's almost nothing. Baby steps. Baby steps. That's, That's not really a baby step, I suppose. That's kind of a big step. Well, it is for me because I have loathe. I've never been able to stomach or taste this stand as taste stand the taste of tea i just yeah, can't need some coffee man because you're mixing up your words and <laughs> see that's that's what i'm talking about three three months down I, now i'm finding new words i'm finding words and backward sentences i've never been able to tap into before you know a couple more months of this tea you're gonna be like yoda with all the backward <laughs> sentences on so. any given day i actually do talk like yoda i'm the only one that understands it though no i would get it i'm uh, i'm a fan of yoda um no it's uh i've heard a, a number of people say that like interestingly enough it's after and i don't mean to incriminate you it's like after a certain age people are like yeah i just don't want to drink all this coffee anymore like for me i i try to limit myself to how much i drink so because i don't want to get to that point because i actually really enjoy the cup of java you know but i drink small amounts like the uh turkish coffee so i'm not drinking like you know like the the drip coffee that that most people would drink that's just like tons and tons of it i could see getting sick of that um, but then I never drink any after uh, 12 o'clock because I'm like, that's the cutoff. Uh, see, so you're, you, you approach it smarter than me. Now, I love, absolutely love the taste of coffee. So I don't mm-hmm. mind going to Starbucks and getting a decaf, whatever. Sure. Um, but I also, when I was drinking coffee, it was nothing to drink it at two or three or four in the afternoon. Yeah, I could see that being an issue. I mean, I used to do that periodically like when I lived in Israel. Um, I would drink like I, I just had such a crazy schedule. I was thinking about it recently, like on average, like on a very average day, I would walk four miles because I had to go from place to place to teach my my students. And it was like, yeah, it was it was not uncommon for me to walk four miles. And then toward the end of my time there, because I was doing all these other preparations to leave. I mean, it was like usually a minimum of seven miles a day. So it's like all this walking like and I, you know, and I was still doing intermittent fasting, too. I was doing the warrior diet pretty, pretty regularly. So it would be like, you know, three in the afternoon, like it just a lot more physical activity than what most people would do. And uh, I would be like totally dragging. So I found, yeah, I would, I would drink maybe like a, like one cup of coffee. I found that like instant coffee was good because it was weak enough where it wasn't necessarily going to ruin my sleep, but it was just strong enough to help me power through the next few hours. So this is sad, but I use instant decaf coffee uh, to mix in with uh, cocoa to make a, like a, a mocha. I'll do that almost any given day. 
that what you call that moco <laughs> yeah moco yeah. <laughs> moco no loco because there's no <laughs> that's not a bad idea actually that, that doesn't sound crazy at all i think that sounds like uh like exactly what you need you know i actually i was i was just looking at my own cabinets i've got like cocoa that my mom got me as like a uh, uh when i moved into my my then new place last year I have a new new place this year but she bought me um some cocoa as like a housewarming gift and um I just never even opened it. So I need to do that. So mom, if you're listening, and I'm sure she's, she's going to listen to this. As uh, all I good mothers do. Exactly. Exactly. She'll be like, why haven't you drank it yet? Um, but I will. It is on the, it is on the list of to do's, but I'm probably not going to do the decaf coffee thing. I will do the cocoa. Thing. I understand. I don't blame you. Um, so did you have a good Hanukkah? I did. I did. I'm, and uh, I have to applaud you for your, your pronunciation of it. I don't know if you saw. Smokey I saw Robinson. your. <laughs> Well, I was. This is this is totally different. I I have yet to post this, but Smokey Robinson did a cameo. You know what the cameo thing is? It's like you get, like D and C list stars who like you can pay three hundred dollars for like forty seconds of their time, and they'll wish you a personalized, you know, whatever. So this this these two sons got their dad, like a, a Hanukkah greeting from Smokey Robinson, and uh, so but he pronounced it chinooka <laughs> and i thought that was so funny like i'm not i'm not hating on on smoky robinson i don't blame him for pronouncing it like that what they should have done they should have provided like a pronunciation for it and they didn't so it's like if you're not familiar with it why wouldn't you like a ch like it just looks like it would be chinooka um but uh yeah i mean then he ended up getting a lot of publicity out of that so maybe it was a a genius you know marketing ploy so as it as it was, I tuned into the Alex Salkin uh, Hanukkah history um, yeah. broadcast, and I learned a great deal. That was very, that was very neat. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, I, I thought about that because a lot of people are like, hey, "What is Hanukkah?" And then you see all these, I, I always see these like lame platitudes all over YouTube uh, or whatever about like some sort of a modern reinterpretation of like what it could mean. It's like, well, why don't we just talk about what it actually means, and then you can you. You can kind of twist it as, as much as you want. So um, I blame Saturday Night Live for all the misinterpretations. That's just me. That's perfectly fair. You know, but Saturday Night Live has had some pretty good skits on the topic of uh, they had they had one a number of years ago where it was like to give you an idea of how long ago it was. Will Ferrell was still on the show and uh, and it was like a CD of like Hanukkah songs. And Alec Baldwin was the uh, he was the, it, it was supposed to be like a commercial for like your favorite Hanukkah songs. And it was, it was like, it was really funny. I, I, I wouldn't do it justice by describing it. Um, but if you watched it, you would get, you'd get quite a kick out of it. I, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. I think it was, uh, they did a skit with Hanukkah Harry and Santa Claus like 30 oh, right. years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. That would have been, yeah, that would have been ages ago. There was one that I was trying to find. I'm older than you. Uh, slightly. Yeah. <laughs> there was one I was oh. trying to find from like this had to have been like the late 90s where daryl uh daryl hammond was still on the show and he would portray donald trump this was like in the apprentice era and so what it was supposed to be was uh donald trump doing being uh asked to record a commercial for uh for the apprentice you know to like to push the, the apprentice and it was like a holiday themed thing so he was dressed up as santa and uh there, there were some great lines in there. He's like, be sure to tune in at like seven, six central, or you'll be chestnuts over an open fired or something like that. 
And, uh, but there was a part of it, I swore there was a part of it, or maybe it was a different one that they did, where they're like, okay, well, now we want to do an alternative one where we're going to wish people a happy Hanukkah. And he's like, great, let's, you know, let's start rolling. And then he would call it like Chinookaha and all these other things. And I could not find it anywhere on YouTube. It was like, it was so funny. And, uh, but you know, I, I like to make, you know, make cracks about stuff like that. Like you saw my Han Solo with the menorah, you know, keep the Han and Hanukkah. Like, I think that sort of thing is really funny. And Harrison just, Ford, a quarter Jew, not too yeah, shabby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Adam Sandler song. Somebody else pointed out, they were like, you know, uh, somebody else mentioned uh, Adam Sandler, I think, in one of my posts. And I was like, yeah, he made Hanukkah like infinitely cooler than I ever could. So I applaud him for that. I, I did my best, but, uh, but Adam Sandler did it the best. So now we are, we're moving into the well, Christmas season. Uh, the, yes, the Christmas season. So, and I know that for Christmas, a lot of people want to be strong and have strong, healthy bodies. Yes. If they could have that gift wrapped under a bow, that would be something they would love to open. Absolutely. And you recently just wrote an article uh, about getting stronger. This is an excellent segue into that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, look, you can wrap up a bow and pop it on your noggin because uh, it is not all that hard to do it with your with your own fair flesh. I have not yet figured out a way to bottle it and sell it. Um, if I do, I will be sure to let people know, but I, I'm a little skeptical about that. But uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I think that um, one of the things that I've, I've noticed a lot of is that people kind of let their guilt like rack up more and more as, uh, as the, the end of the year rolls up so that by the time like you know, Christmas and New Year's rolls around. They're like, man, I, I feel terrible about myself. I need to start working out. And then it's like, you know, uh, work out really hard for three weeks and then stop for the next 49 weeks, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. So people who want to give themselves the gift of strength this Christmas season would be wise to start looking at original strength because if you want uh, a solid base upon which you can build up any other quality you want, you have to be able to move well, first and foremost. You know, you have to be strong. And that's what, you know, that's what everybody wants to do. They want to be really strong. They want to be confident, physically competent. But um, this year, more than any, I think we have been, we've been sitting so much like in this fetal position, just locked in place, that if you try to add fitness onto a body whose parts don't work together the way that they're supposed to and don't work the way that they were designed to, all the only gift you're going to get is like the equivalent of coal in your stocking. And that's going to be, of course, you know, tweaks, uh, maybe injuries, and uh, just a whole lot of other disappointment and frustration. So a great way to do that is just to get back into the habit of moving the way that you were made to move. And then you can do pretty much anything else that you want. That was awesome. Um, Thank you. So moving the way you were made to move, in your article, you kind of highlighted one specific way we were all designed to move, uh, one movement or, or mm -hmm. one pattern. Not all of us have done it, but all of us have it. Right. Uh, what pattern was that? That would, of course, be crawling. And, um, you know, on previous podcasts that we've done, I've mentioned, hey, there are other great uh, uh, original strength resets that you can really go all in on and that are going to help you to get stronger, move better. So you, you don't want to focus only on crawling. But I always told people that crawling should still remain as a major part 
of what you do. And this is the reason why. I mean, part of it is that, you know, when people see crawling first and foremost, they're like, well, that's, they either think one of two things, like that's weird, I don't wanna do that, or that's awesome, I gotta do that. But once they, <laughs> once they do it, they all come around to that, that second option, right? Like, that's weird, but oh, wow, I'm doing it now, I feel great, I can squat better, uh, I can do more push-ups. You know, I can pick my kids up off the ground and my back doesn't feel like it's about to, you know, scream at me or whatever. And because we're so busy during the holiday season and because we're so, uh, again, we've this entire year, most of us have been huddled or, like over a computer in this sort of fetal position most of the year. Uh, you got to get back into your, your natural movement patterns before you can start loading up really heavy. So whether or not gyms are going to be open up in, in the coming year in your neck of the woods, uh, or you're going to have to figure out something to do at home, you want the base to be the base. You don't want to try to, you don't want to try to, you know, uh, convince your body. Otherwise it's not going to work. And crawling is one of the best ways I know to get people to start moving the way that they're supposed to do, enjoy the process and get some serious results in a, in a very short period of time. So Crawling is very, it does establish that foundation that you were talking about. And it, it makes, it certainly makes strength training better uh, or easier. Mm -hmm. um, or you're, you're able to put that nice house on that solid foundation. But I have found, and you've probably, I know you found this too, but I, I, I have found that I've actually been able to supplement or get exchange. How about exchange strength training for crawling? Yeah. And get really honestly stronger than I was when I was just strength training. Oh, yeah. Big time. You know, it's funny, too, because you mentioned the word exchange. It's kind of like exchanging a gift. You know, someone's like, here's a gift. And they mean it, you know, in, with uh, with the best of intentions. And you're like, I can't use this. I don't want this. So I'm going to exchange it, you know, at the store for something different. And uh, that's very much the case. You know, like if somebody might say, hey, here's a, a particular exercise that I heard about. Why don't you, you know, try that out? Well, you can probably gain on that exercise without even doing it if you move really well and you get all these roadblocks out of the way. And so um, a great example of that with crawling, for example, that, that uh, I, can, I can say this is a, a personal anecdote that I love to tell people and retell is probably, this would have had to have been in like 2000, late 2012, early 2013. This was shortly after the second ever becoming bulletproof workshop, right? I know, I know that that word now has a different connotation because you've you've developed the program differently. But this was the precursor back then to original strength. And I remember it was uh, you and Jeff were teaching it in Chicago, and uh, I I was um, let's say I was still a poor student. I had I think I had just graduated. No, yeah, it was just a few years prior. I just graduated college, and I was working as like a waiter. So I took a, a mega bus from Omaha, Nebraska to Chicago just to do this workshop and uh, learned a ton along the way. And one of the things that I was uh, especially convinced of because of you guys is the, the value of doing uh, crawling, not just a little bit, you know, as like a warm up, but actually trying to treat it as, as a, a strength training practice, but, but not strength training in the terms of like, you know, uh, feed forward tension and like like a really, you know, obsessive focus on technique. Those things are important for, you know, kettlebells and barbells and, and certain high level calisthenics moves, but it was about getting back in touch with just the natural movement 
and just learning how to like flow. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to put this to the test. And, um, you know, I have kind of longish legs, so I've never been like a really heavy squatter, even though I had good, uh, even though I have good technique and what have you. Uh, so back then my best squat, I think was like, it was with two 24 kilo bells or two 53 pound bells and I could do 10 reps and it was hard. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like, you know, it, it wasn't like a, a complete all out struggle, but it was nevertheless, like I could feel it. But for two months I did no squatting. I decided to become a, a kettlebell heretic and I was like, I'm not going to do any squatting. And, uh, but every day I would crawl for a total of five to six minutes, just, you know, accumulate it you know, not even necessarily all in a row, just accumulate a total of five to six minutes of crawling. Then uh, out of seemingly nowhere, this was about two months later, I remember on a particular morning, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. I want to, I want to test out my squats. So I grabbed the, my two 24 kilo bells, uh, went out to the garage and uh, knocked out 20 reps of squats with, and this was not having done a single squat for two whole months. And I was, I was only crawling. That right there was like lifted a veil over my eyes. Like, you know, if I can improve on squats without squatting and do so in less time, meaning a you know grand total of maybe five to six minutes a day, uh, what else can I do if I keep doing this? And I keep really uh, diving deeper and deeper into this fundamental movement pattern. And as time went on, you know, these answers presented themselves, but that was like, you know, the, uh, the epiphany for me was that I could dub, literally double my, my strength in less time by doing this weird crawling movement and, uh, you know, and, and be able to have more to show for it than if I had done a really complicated program with, you know, these crazy periodization tables or whatever. And I'm not knocking these things, but I am saying that like a lot of them become irrelevant once you know how to move properly and then you do it a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's, and, and if you don't experience it, it's really kind of hard to wrap your head around. But that's that's basically what I, I discovered, too, is that, wow, I'm way stronger at things now after crawling than I was when I was training for those things. Yeah. And they were just so much easier to attain, um, which is interesting because I was I was trying to use a lot of the techniques, right? The feed forward tension, the bracing, the the imagination, the, the radiation, the whatever. I was trying to use it all. And didn't like if I did do the lift or whatever it was I was trying to do, it was a struggle. Um, but after crawling, like uh, most of that stuff was nothing, or yeah. or I had to I had to use no tension or anything. It was just eh, I did it, and and it was ridiculously easy. Oh, that yeah. was my big like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, when you experience something like that, it's like uh, you know you're still gonna love the, the the strength training movements that you do, whether it's you know, kettlebell training or, or bodyweight movements or barbell stuff. But now you're going to be like, well, you know, why would I, why would I limit myself to just this when I can add this one thing? Cause that's kind of like, I think the, the mentality that a lot of people have is like, I'm going to see how much I can strip away and still get results. It's like, sometimes it's not about stripping away. It's like, like what gaps do you need to fill uh, in order to get better results? Like, let's say, you know, there are seven spots you need to fill and that, might correspond with the uh, seven strength movement patterns, right? And let's say the one you're not training is the gait pattern. And so it's not about, oh, let me see if I can eliminate, uh, uh, I don't know, deadlifts and still improve my deadlift by just squatting more. What if it's like, hey, what if I fill this gap with 
my gait pattern training and really take it seriously. And maybe even for a short period of time, put it at the forefront of my training. Let me see what that does to everything else. Because, you know, if you're bot, I pointed out, I've kind of like, I pointed out to people uh, recently that I've spoken to on the topic that like the strength movement patterns, you're made to do all of these things. Like there's no question about it. Um, but they're the distillation of movements that you would do like in, in real life, you know, and let's say long before civilization became so comfortable. Now it's, it's basically they've been distilled down into these, these exercises that are meant to kind of replicate uh, our need for all these movements that we developed over time. Back then, when we were doing all these things, there was a lot of other stuff that we were doing. We were building, we were climbing, we were hunting, you know, we were sneaking around to try to, to you know, sneak up on prey or, or whatever else it may have been. There was a lot of other, like, non, let's say, quote unquote, traditional strength type of movements that we were doing that were laying the foundation for everything that we could later distill down into those seven strength movements. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been amazing. Like, every time I do it, I'm like, I'm still stunned. Like I'll go like, you know, I'll do, let's say some squats and I'm like, man, this is feeling tough. And then I'll, I'll rock back and forth a few times. And then it's just like, suddenly like my body just knows how to, how to make it feel easier. Like the weight didn't get lighter, but I move better. And as a result, I move more weight. So something you just touched on, you're talking about the way it used to be when before technology and before the modern conveniences, really though, the life lived back then was more of a, daily grease the groove pattern of living mm -hmm. like you, you you did those natural movements throughout the entire day instead of a concentrated effort of an hour at a time exactly um and i think that was one of the ways that it was real easy to fill in the gaps because the rest of the time in between you were walking or climbing or doing other stuff but then you would come back to your movement which i guess you could look at as your practice <laughs> yeah but but you were just constantly greasing the groove and it was just so spread out but it was an everyday you show up everyday thing absolutely yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, we have to be realistic, like to some degree, it's not very reasonable to expect people to do something similar now, because, you know, most people have a desk job or, you know, a job that requires them to be in front of a computer. Um, and this is where obviously those strength patterns come, come in handy. Cause it's like, here's how to, how you're supposed to be able to use your body. This is going to help prevent a lot of the things that uh, are going to happen to you if you're seated all the time and you just don't move enough. Um, but there's also something to be said about being like, hey, well, let's do some kind of crazy stuff that doesn't look like the traditional stuff that we were brought up to do, but it's going to help you get better at all those things. And, you know, when push comes to shove, a lot of times you can just rely on these, these old movement patterns. I mean, in particularly the gait pattern, like if there's any movement pattern that sets us apart from any other creature in the animal kingdom, it's the ability to, to use our, our gait, our very unique gait pattern. So if you do that and like everything's working together the way that it's supposed to, how hard is it to believe that kind of the next order of things, let's say a particular strength movement is, is going to kind of go along with it. It's it, like all the muscles are going to know how to move work together. The joints, you know, it, it you're going to have a much better mind muscle connection. It's, it's all going to be there. And uh, I have yet to find uh, a method that is, that makes all those things more accessible to more people than the original strength resets. And of course, you know, the one that, that seems to have the biggest bang for the buck for everybody is just to crawl, even if it's just a few minutes a day. So, and you said this at the beginning when you started talking about crawling, but you said you would, you tried to crawl five to six minutes of accumulated time throughout mm -hmm. the day. You, it didn't necessarily have to be 
all at one time. You were, right. you were greasing the groove, so to speak with the, the crawling pattern throughout the day. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, and sometimes it would be within a short period of time, meaning it would be like, um, okay, here's my 20 minutes to work out this morning. And then it would be like, I'd crawl for a minute or two and then, you know, relax and then crawl for another minute or two and, uh, you know, get it all done in a, in a shorter period of time. Other times it was, it was exactly like that. It was like, you know, a little bit in the morning, maybe a little in the afternoon, a little bit in the evening. And, uh, yeah, the results, like I said, they, they spoke for themselves and it wasn't just for squatting. I mean, I used the squatting example because of how awesome it was, but I, I mean, I've experienced similar things with like overhead pressing. There's another, there's another gal, uh, Karen Rossler, who had, uh, um, she, she wasn't able to, she, this is an example of like crawling for helping other traditional strength movements. Uh, she will put it this way, you know, a part of uh, getting through the SFG2 certification or strong first kettlebell certification is that uh, men have to press half their body weight on one arm and women have to press a third of their body weight on one arm. And uh, she decided to go a different route and she was doing lots and lots of backward crawling. And she worked her way up to a, uh, pressing a third of her body weight on one arm, which is like, I think, 20 kilos. Um, I, I don't know she may have been due to her age. She may have been in a, in a different category. So, um, I don't know if it was a third or if it was a quarter or whatever it was, but, but nevertheless, without doing any pressing in her practice, she was able to military press, uh, a 44 pound kettlebell. Uh, like that's pretty phenomenal. Like, because we've been told that you need specific adaptations. Uh, I'm sorry, that there are specific adaptations to impose demands for the yes. said principle, meaning that you're going to get better at exactly what you do. And it's true. It's certainly not wrong. But here's an example of, of what I think is a principle that comes even before that. And that's, you got to have all your bases covered, uh, reasonably well-balanced training and moving the way that you were made to move. And it just kind of eliminates all of the, the frustration and the complexities that would otherwise come before that. So just from a lot of backward crawling, she was able to work up to a, a reasonably heavy military press for her body weight. And uh, if you could do that for a few days, I'm sorry, for a few minutes a day versus spending, you know, 30 or 40 minutes, three days a week on a specialized program to put more weight overhead, like what's a better use of your time? I'm with you. Um, backwards crawling itself is phenomenal. That That's pretty much how I discovered I had a one-arm, one-leg push-up. Yeah. Not by doing that, but just by doing backwards crawling. So you wrote this article about the crawler days, uh, playing on the holidays. Correct. But in that article, you've listed three types of crawling, none of which were backwards crawling. Uh, but I want to ask you about a specific one that you mentioned, commando crawling Ooh, yes. on the forearms. Right. Well, there are two different kinds. Because, I mean, I know the one in the original strength uh, curriculum is like on the stomach, right? Like that's what yeah. we officially call the commando crawl. Um, and, uh, and there's another one, I, I try to draw a distinction so that people know the difference because I think commando crawling is awesome. And, uh, I, I want, I want people to do that, but the one that I, but people, a lot of people are familiar with it because they've seen war movies, you know, they see soldiers like crawling on the ground like that. Um, but what, but another variation that's even harder, the one that you were referring to is crawling like on the forearms and, uh, those, I, I can't even really describe how tough they are. The. Uh, it's like a huge jump up from crawling on the hands. I mean, I think part of it is the direction uh, of the body. You know, you're not 
propped up on the hands and, and what have you. Uh, there's a lot more work for the triceps uh, and for the shoulders. So I, I really like doing a lot of this before doing military presses, for example, uh, for a variety of reasons. One is that like with each crawl, like each, I don't know how well you can see it when I'm here, right? But if you're crawling you it. backward like that, um, it's kind of like greasing that, that pressing groove. And so if you're crawling backward like that, you don't even have to do a lot. And suddenly, you know, you're, you're putting a very low, you're doing a very low stress, greasing the groove practice of that, of that pressing groove. And um, I remember I, I mean, I wouldn't say I discovered them a few years ago. I don't remember exactly where I first saw them, but I started doing them and I was like, dang, like this is like, this makes like the regular crawls that I've been doing, which were hard. I mean, I would, I would like crawl across grassy fields and stuff like that. Uh, but I could do it in like one go. It was like I could barely get like an eighth of the way by doing it like that. You it's know? a it's a special gentle brutality. Yes, exactly. It's that's a very good way of putting it. It's like it's a very gentle brutality. Like you won't wake up bruised and achy the next day, um, but while you're doing it, you're gonna feel like you're getting hit with a pillowcase full of full of soap bars or I, I don't know something that's not gonna leave a bruise but still gonna hurt. Um, I'm. Uh... I think soap will still leave a bruise. <laughs> okay, maybe let's say oranges. <laughs> I think maybe that might be a better better analogy. I'm I'm not great at analogies this morning, but um, yeah, I I was always stunned by it. Like, and the great thing about it too is again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier um, with the with I almost called it the holiday season. With the holiday season in full swing, people don't have a lot of time to train. And, uh, you know, I don't think people should feel guilty about it, but a lot of people do because it's like, they've got family obligations. They've got to get like, you know, final things done for work. They've got all these other preparations they got to do. They got to do shopping. And it's like, uh, I, I think it's not a great approach to, to put your own self care last just because other obligations come up. I think this is the time when you want to, uh, adjust your own expectations for your training, but you, you keep doing them. And so if you only have a few minutes to train and you want to have and you want to get something that's going to be really uh, high yield in terms of uh, the bang you get for your buck, crawling in general is going to be huge. And one of the things you'll find is that you'll probably adapt pretty quickly. So if you're doing, you know, the hand and knees crawl or leopard crawl or Spider-Man crawl, you know, you'll find very quickly you can build up to like two, three, four, five minutes in a row. So. But the interesting thing is that if you're doing crawls, like what you were talking about, like, you know, the forearm crawl, uh, which is like a lot harder, you'd be amazed. You do like two to three cumulative minutes of that. And suddenly four or five minutes of like Spider-Man crawl, which might have otherwise left you feeling like you were just totally crushed. is not going to feel that hard anymore. It's it, So you will retain it, maybe even Im make improvements on it. But the even cooler thing is that these these more difficult or complex crawling variations have a great carryover into your iron practice. So again, if you want uh, to improve your military press or you want to improve uh, your squat uh, or even your pull-up, and I have a story about that, you'll, you'll be amazed at what these harder crawling variations will do because they still require the, that reflexive stability and they, and they build the reflexive stability uh, of the standard crawling variations. But because the intensity level is ratcheted up, it feels like you're like you're cramming, let's say five or 10 minutes worth of work into maybe two to three minutes. Yeah, it's a lot in that. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where unless you experience it, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. 
So if you're listening to experience the exquisite amazement of forearm crawling, you just got to try it. I mean, that's the only way you'll know. Yeah. And then, and then nothing we say will matter anymore. You'll be like, oh yeah, this will definitely make you strong. Cause how can it not? It, big time. You know, on the topic of uh, like crawling, just giving people all these like, you know, seemingly crazy abilities, like you and I, we see it and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like we've just been doing it so long. Um, but be, when people experience it for the first time and then they tell you like, oh my God, I was able to do X, Y, and Z, you know, you're, you're able to just kind of call me and be like, that's very cool. But you knew it, you expected it. There was a gal who did, um, I did a, a program. It was a 30 day crawling program. Um, and I think it was a year or two ago, she went through it and she said that she put two, she added two pull-ups to her rep max. She went from like six to eight and she wasn't practicing any pull-ups at the time, but she was doing this, this daily crawling regimen. And, uh, as a result of that, she's like, you know, I can do, I went from being able to do six to being able to do eight. I'm not even finished with the program yet. Um, and so you, the last thing that you would think that, that crawling would help would be pull-ups because you're like, well, crawling doesn't really mimic like a pulling movement per se. Uh, you know, it's a lot more work for the triceps and the shoulders and what have you. But, but if you're doing, but if you're crawling the way that we teach in original strength, your back muscles are automatically going to kick on. Like you're not even going to have to think about it. They're just going to jump in to help. And the, again, the better everything in your body works, the easier everything your body's able to do is going to become. So in the late eighties, maybe early nineties, there was, you probably remember this, maybe you're a youngster, but buns of steel, uh, yeah. <laughs> and or abs of steel. So I think the, the coolest thing about crawling is, is froze. So if you can imagine from your armpits to the bottom of your pelvis, it completely gives you a torso of steel. Oh yeah. I mean, it just, it just ties everything together so well. So any, anything like, so pull-ups, presses, squats, deadlifts, all of those athletic, cool strength movements or just whatever movement in general, because that torso is so powerful. Um, everything just gets easier and better. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a great eighties reference, by the way, buns of steel. I had completely forgotten about that. VHS tape, baby. Oh VHS yeah, man. Tape. I remember, <laughs> I remember be kind, rewind. I'm old enough to remember that. I'm, I'm still a youngster, but I'm old enough to remember that. Well, it's yeah, you didn't it's... want the mafia to come at you from Blockbuster. So you no, had exactly. to rewind your tape. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. Like imagine it's like, it takes them like two to three minutes to rewind the tape and they'll still charge you like five bucks for having, for not having done it on your own. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's something people forget about. I mean, I think a lot of people don't really know they, they, I think people are still inclined to see their body as a collection of like Frankenstein parts that they have to train individually. There's nothing wrong with that, obviously. And there's a time and a place for it, but most people will get the most out of treating their body like a, like a single unit before they start to do working on like individual parts, like, you know, the biceps and the triceps and what have you. But the crawling variations are great for that because of just how much muscle they hit. Like you said, you know, and going back to the, the forearm crawling too, if you do it for a few minutes, you start to realize uh, what your lats and upper back muscles are supposed to be doing when you're doing these overhead movements, right? Like, so kind of going back to that, that uh, depressing groove pattern as you're doing it, uh, you will be stunned by just how much the upper back is doing and how much the shoulder blades are getting in on it so that everything else is moving like in unison, like uh, in concert, let's say, to make this, this, uh, this movement poetry happen. That's it. Uh, 
it's 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 pretty stunning. And so it, it makes sense. Like once you've done it enough, you're like, yeah, I could see how somebody would add pull-ups or, or be able to do heavier presses or, you know, double the number of squats they can do. It, it makes perfect sense once you've done it. So this article uh, is going to be on the original strength uh, blog uh, site. Uh, and then we'll put that in the links. Um, other than that, in the crawling in the, in the article, is there anything outside of the article you just think people should grab a hold of? Yeah, I think, you know, so I, I profiled three different crawling variations that I really like to use uh, in, in like small space, for example. And, uh, you know, everybody has, most people have a kind of a crowded, like living space, you know, and I think this is one of the things where, where people feel like, um, oh, you know, crawling, I, I just need a lot of space for that. I don't have a whole ton. And this is why, you know, being a little bit creative, if you live in a, in a, you know, place where you don't have like, you know, like a, like a, a land, like an airline landing strips worth of space, you can still get some pretty great results. And so, um, going through the progression sequence that I give you, and I can tell you here, but it's still worth reading in the article so that you can better understand it. But like axial crawling is far and away the best of all of the short, of the close space crawling variations. Um, and it's not that much different from leopard and Spider-Man crawl. And so what I like about it is that when you have people do it, they can uh, essentially uh, go, they can make a smaller step forward toward these other more difficult ones because changing the direction, but basically keeping everything else the same, like staying on your hands and feet, you know, for instance, uh, gives you a good enough, uh, good enough improvement in like your, your, let's call it in between strength with your crawling. Cause you're moving at an odd angle and, and in shapes you wouldn't normally do. So the, on the, on the physical side of things that comes in very handy, obviously, and it's going to make your standard crawling feel much easier on the mental side of things. It's going to be huge. Cause you're going to be like, wow, like I really want to stop right now, but you're going to realize it's physically, you don't have to, it's just I've crawled for 10 minutes and I've not gone anywhere. This yeah. is miserable. Yeah. It, 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 there have been a few, I'm, I think I've only axial crawled 10 minutes like one time because it really was miserable. Um, and I don't want people to think, oh, it's miserable. I don't want to do it. You will love doing it because you're going to be like, I can't believe how much work I got done without moving and without having to pick up a piece of equipment. Like all you need is a very small amount of space on the floor. Uh, and yeah, you'll be, you'll be stunned by, by how much you'll get done. Um, yeah, like I said, it, just going back and forth in a, in a circle is remarkably difficult. Then the uh, sideways crawling and particularly with like straight legs. So you're kind of in a push-up position, but you know, the difference is you're not trying to, you know, be uh, really braced or tight or anything like that. You're staying nice and relaxed. And then you just move from side to side. Again, something you can do in a, in a short space. Uh, you will feel muscles that you did not know that you had. Uh, maybe you were acquainted with them with axial crawls, but now you're going to be on like a first name basis with them because like you're, you're going to be muscles in like your hips and your midsection and your legs and your shoulders that are going to be like on fire after just a, a few short minutes of doing them. Yeah. It's no joke. It really is not. I mean, like I've, uh, I I've done this in the past where I've, I've tried to accumulate as many minutes as I could doing it. And it was not as many minutes as I could have done with other crawling variations. That one was the hardest one for me to overcome as it, I don't know why I, maybe it was because the stroke was shorter and it took more steps in yeah. the time or the distance, but that one mentally was the hardest one for me to get over. Yeah. I, 
I used to, uh, used to, as in like up to a few weeks ago, uh, at the place I was living at previously, um, I had like kind of like a little route that I would go, you know, like from my, from my living room to my dining room. And, uh, and I would go, you know, let's say leopard crawl forward, leopard crawl backward. And then I would sideways crawl with uh, the knees bent forward, backward. And then I would go Spider-Man crawl forward and backward. And then I would go just from like one end of my living room to the other end uh, with the sideways crawls. And it was like, I would dread them because it was just so much, it just felt like so much more work. Yes. Uh, It's hard to explain. But the great thing about that is, you know, if we think about going back to kind of filling gaps in our training, you know, we think about the, the, the major strength movements that we do. They, a lot of it is basically forward and backward, up and down. So, and that's good. You need that. But the minute you start moving at different angles and you start moving in circles, like with the axial crawl or side to side, it's like the whole game changes. And it's great because these are, these are things that you need in order to be really resilient. You know, like if you're only moving, it's, if you think about like taking a credit card and bending it in the middle forward and backward repeatedly, eventually it kind of starts to get a little brittle. It gets a little bit, uh, a lot less resilient. But if you're changing the area that you're bending it in, it's like the, the card is not going to be any worse for the wear. So the good thing about crawling is that it is going to allow you to start hitting all these different angles while getting reacquainted with the most, the single most fundamental movement pattern of all time, your gait pattern. And at the end of it, you're not going to feel completely worn out. I mean, mentally and physically, you will definitely tell, you will be able to tell that you've got in a hard workout, but you're not going to be you know, down for the count is not going to be like, I'm going to need to take the next five days off because I'm just so annihilated. Um, and the, probably the coolest thing is that there's, a, there's some nice athletic benefit to that. Like going side to side is one of those things that you need to be able to do as an athlete, but we don't really do it in strength training because you, know, you don't need to go side to side for squat or for swings or push-ups or anything like that. So it helps you to get that in while still working on this most fundamental of movement patterns. And again, it, it doesn't take long. Like you're not going to have to spend 40 minutes doing it. You, know, you can do four minutes and, uh, and, and you'll, be, you'll be astonished by how much different you'll feel. So if somebody decides to open up the, pull the string on the bow and open up the gift of strength this, this crawl a day season and they, they jump in the crawls and they work through this progression, say they get hungry and they want to know more um, or some of the other cool things that you use to train with, what can they do after that? Well, um, one of the things they could do is they could go to my website, uh, alexsalkin.com. I mean, my name is spelled funny. L E K S. The K is in Catherine. S is in Samantha. So Alex, A L E K S Salkin, S A L K I N.com. There's a lot of information there. Uh, also if you search on the original strength website, I mean, I think I've written more guest articles for you guys than like anybody else. There's, we are grateful. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful that you guys have given me a platform because I have all these weird ideas. I mean, think about it. Like imagine if I tried to, you know, put, give one of these articles to like, uh, you know, like a different fitness publication, they'd be like crawling dead bugs. What are you, what are you talking about? I, I think I would be I think I would be laughed out of the, uh, of the office. And you'd be like, well, I'm just talking about pure power, but if you don't yeah. want that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. If you guys just want to push, 
supplements that don't do anything versus movements that do well that's that's your business uh but yeah a, a bunch of my articles you'll find on originalstrength.net um and again you can also go to my website alexsalkin.com um i've got uh i also have a daily email list too where i i talk about i like traditional strength training i don't want anybody to get the the opinion from this that i don't what but what i like most is is taking this traditional strength training <coughs> and applying original strength training to it so that you can actually get strong. You're not getting like uh, just weight room strong. You're getting like farm strong, you know, like really old school stuff. Um, the, uh, it, it, I, I like to liken it to, I hope people have seen this movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You remember the scene in the end where there's that Knight Templar who after Indiana Jones picks the right cup and says, you've chosen wisely. Yes. You have chosen Wisely. Well, but he, then he tells him, I, people forget this part, that the grail can't pass beyond the great seals. Meaning if you want to retain your immortality that you've just gained by drinking from the holy grail, uh, you basically have to stay stuck here like he is. So it's like, if you think of your strength as the same way, do you want your strength to only be good in the gym or only be good in your home's courage corner with the very calibrated weights that you've purchased specially from a, a company, or do you want that strength to be applicable to having to move a heavy piece of furniture or, you know, pick up your kid when he fell off his bike and skinned his knee and be able to carry both home without throwing your back out. Right. Or, you know, schooling your kids on the basketball court or, or keeping up with them while you're, while you're flying down a hill on your toboggan or sled or whatever, your strength should go beyond your your home's exercise area or your gym's weight room it should be something that you can carry with you everywhere and if you regain and retain your original strength you will be able to carry it with you anywhere and on that most powerful analogy i believe i've ever heard taking your strength across the threshold of life that's right i think we should we should end it there yeah um, i don't think we could yeah i don't think we could uh, i don't think we could improve on that it can Alex. only go downhill from here. Hey, man, thanks so much for, for being on the show. This has been great. Thank you for having me on. I uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas. And all of the listeners, I wish you a Merry Christmas as well. And a happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.